This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Good morning. Well, if you've tried to get car insurance recently, you'll have discovered that premiums have risen dramatically. Or worse, if you've been a named driver or are new to driving, you'll find it difficult to get anyone to even quote you. Why is it so hard to get car insurance in Ireland? Why is it so expensive? And can we do anything about it? In studio this morning, Charlie Weston is personal finance editor at the Irish Independent, John Lahart is Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin Southwest, and Jonathan Hare is managing director of coverinaclick.ie and and we'll be joined shortly by Patrick Collinson. He's the Guardian's personal finance editor. So tell us your car insurance stories and you can tweet us at TalkingPointNT and hashtag NTFM. Um, Charlie Weston, in a way I have to apologise to you because I know you've been beating this drum <clears throat> for quite some time, but it only registered with me last week when um, my husband and I had to get a second car because he got a new job that there was just no way out of it. We had to get another car. I thought the red carpet would be rolled out for us at uh, Aviva where we were insured couldn't even get a quote he'd been a named driver on my policy um, all this time um, he's been driving for 30 years no claims no penalty points nothing and um, we rang around a few companies and it was just no forget it we're not interested what's going on yeah insurance companies are increasing their premiums by ridiculous amounts in the last year alone almost 40% if you go back maybe three years it's up 70% and as you say, I've been banging this drum for a while. I've been writing about this since January 2012, sorry, 2014 in the Irish Independent. Early in January 2014, we said premiums would probably go up by 30%. We just didn't have the right figure. It's even more than that. You know, I remember at the time the editor saying to me, are you sure we can stand over this figure? I mean, you're, you're quoting a lot of people here saying that <coughs> premiums are going to go up by 30%. This seems excessive. It turned out to be much too low. They've gone up far more. And it's down to insurance companies having messed up badly and a lot of things have worked against them. But they're so they are punishing the consumer. The driver is paying the price here. The two million drivers out there are paying extra premiums. And then insurance companies are being terribly selective about who they, they take on. You know, because your husband was a named driver, they don't, they don't want to know. They don't want to know about anybody who has penalty points, anybody who has a claim outstanding. Anybody who, uh, you know, is a young driver, particularly, they're finding it very difficult to get cover if they can get cover at all. It's at excessive prices. And then people with cars more than 15 years old, which is an extraordinary one. Even people who keep the car very carefully have it serviced all the time. They're being told, we're not interested in insuring you because you have a 15-year-old car. It's because some of the uh, insurance companies have come to the conclusion that most of these staged accidents are done in cars which are 15 years or more old. So they've decided we're not covering any 15-year-old cars. So they just discriminate against everybody with an older car. So it's an extremely difficult environment. And the government have been very slow to respond to it. Because it looks like it's the regulator the law. Being, like you have yes, to it's have mandatory. car insurance. It's yeah. mandatory and it drives people nuts that they're, you know, th- their profile hasn't changed. They have another year of no claims. They're a safe driver. They haven't made any claims. They get a renewal quote from their insurer and it's, they find it's gone up 300, 400, maybe 500 euros uh, to, to get insured again. And, um, you know, and you also have this nonsense as well. If you if you go onto the website of your insurer who's told you you have to pay an extra 500 euros, if you start a process of pretending you're a new, you're a new customer, 
they'll come to you with, with, with maybe a much lower premium, you know. That so they're trying to punish people for renewing because they know that a certain percentage of people will not will not um, challenge the, the, the ridiculous quote they've been given. That actually happened to me when I was renewing my own car insurance. I rang them up and didn't like the price. Someone had told me about this thing. Just go on their website, went on the website, put in all the exact same details I'd given to them and the same company gave me a much cheaper quote on the website because I was a new customer. It was exactly. mad. This is yeah. this thing of punishing loyalty in this country. Yeah. yeah. So Jonathan Hare, um, so you're a broker, so yep. you deal <clears throat> with a lot of different insurance companies. Now, what are they saying are the reasons for the increase? Give it to us from their perspective. Okay, well, the insurance companies have published their figures for, they haven't published 2015 yet, but we've seen 2014 and 2013 and they have had horrific losses. Um, and we have to take the reports that they give us on face value because they weren't afraid to publish when they were making money. So I went through the reports recently and if we go back to 2007, they weren't afraid to show profit and motor insurance of around 500 million at the time. That, gra- that figure has gradually gone down over the 10 years and the last time that they're showing to make money was back in 2012 and it was a slight profit on it and since then they have shown losses of hundreds of millions in the motor insurance uh, sector. Yeah, Declan O'Rourke, he's the head of AIG in Ireland and he told the Irish Times in February that um, they had made no money in car insurance for three years and they lost between 10 and 20 million on car insurance last year. So why are they losing money? Well, we do in this country seem to have a claims culture. There definitely is. Everybody knows somebody who's had a small incident. Made, it's not, we're not talking about the large accidents here. We're talking about five, ten kilometre an hour accidents where we think it's OK that it's an automatic right to be given your 15, 20,000 because somebody has had this small incident with you. And it's that seems to be getting worse and worse because the number of claims are up. The amounts that people are getting in the courts are up since we had the changes in the amounts that could be awarded by the circuit and district court. So there is a lot going against the insurance companies, but there also is probably a lot that they could do themselves to help themselves. By helping themselves, they're helping the motorist. Um, So what could they do? Well, you know, we we spoke earlier about uh, technology. So there's telematics, there's driver behaviour, there's stuff along those lines. But there is a lot that they could do in terms of working with the government in putting proposals together to eradicate stuff that's happened previously, like the Satanta, like Quinn Insurance and these other issues that have arose over the last five years. We saw RSA invest £250 into their Irish operation over here. Um, So I, I just think that there's a culmination of events that have happened over the last five years that have led us to this point where we are. And it probably does start with with the Quinn liquidation administration, sorry. Yeah, John Lehart, <clears throat> that was a big problem, you see. And mm. this is what the insurance companies are saying is that it's not fair. When <coughs> one of their competitors goes under, they have to cover it. Um, so, you know, Quinn insurance go down, but we're paying a specific levy for that. Satanta collapsed. FBD needed investment last year. The RSA had to have a cash injection from its holding company. And they're saying we're paying for other companies going down. Do you think that's a legitimate reason? I think if we were to have a mature discussion about it, and uh, I'm hopeful with uh, with the three three of us uh, here uh, and yourself, Sarah, <laughs> that we will, because, um, OK, this is going back a while. It came to your attention in the last week. It's going to come to people's attention in the next few months. A lot of people renew in the autumn. A lot of people renew in the, in the spring. Uh, many people don't renew over the summer. It's just the way the cycle falls. So... As Charlie said, there's, there's, there's 2.1 million uh, vehicles in the country, so it affects everybody. And yet Charlie and I attended, because Charlie has been to the vanguard uh, from a media perspective on this. Uh, we attended um, 
what was intended to be a monster rally in Stephen's Green that was really poorly attended. Um, and yet, this involves far more substantial funds uh, than we say something like the water charges that attracted hundreds of thousands over a, a period of time uh, onto the street. So it's curious, I suppose, what motivates people and what uh, what mobilises people. So there are a number of factors. Um, we brought through my colleague, uh, Michael McGrath, who's uh, Fianna Fáil's front bench spokesperson on finance. It was the first issue we raised, actually, in the New Dáil uh, by way of uh, uh, motion seeking a task force. Now, the government has moved on that, but there are, we've produced a paper, a kind of an action plan. And I don't mean that just, you know, the politics mm. of that. But Michael McGrath, Robert Troy and Niall Collins have gone into serious uh, detail and research in relation to look what are the contributory factors to this. So the insurance companies are one, and Jonathan has kind of pointed to some of the things that have happened there. Um, they've lost money, but they've lost money because they were kind of undercutting. We got cheap insurance for a decade. You is know, so is that paying, the problem no, that not, we came from too low a base well, and that, maybe we're just normalising? Well, it's, it's one of the problems, but you've just outlined a number of the companies that have failed. So here are some of the things that are identified in the document that we've produced. And essentially, I suppose this, these are the topics that are going to make up the government's task force that's begun to deal with this. We thought they were dealing with this for the last two months, but they had their first meeting on it last Wednesday. So you're talking about the insurers. That's one. Um, you have the state bodies, whether it's... Um, uh, things to do with like the book of quantum and Charlie will be familiar with that that's the kind of the amount that's uh, paid out on claims uh, kind of the average or whatever it's it's meant uh, to act as a guideline uh, but the problem I suppose with the with the book of quantum is what it has become is it's in danger of leading to spiralling costs in insurance um, Are we paying out too much on claims? Yes, and one of the reasons there is, um, you know, the, uh, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, um, only something like 12,000 of the of the 30,000 insurance claims that were processed last year went through the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. And just board. remind people, so, what was supposed to be the advantage of the Injuries well, Board? Well, it... it, it it saved you having to go to court. It saved you kind of having to hire defence, having to hire prosecution, etc., etc., lawyers. Um, and it was a documents kind of only procedure. Um, but the problem now seems to be, and this is one of the things that will be examined, um, is that a lot of insurance companies seem to be paying out privately. They're not proceeding through that process. So you have the insurers, you have state bodies and departments, you have EU regulation that is sadly lacking, and that's seen by, we'll say, the behaviour of offshore insurance companies. Um, you have the legal profession, you know, uh, and you have the court awards, which are inconsistent. You have then, we'll say, how the consumers are protected or not protected in terms of... Uh, particularly, there's an awful lot of, uh, uh, of research done on this. We'll say... Consumers, I suppose, need to be more active, but they need to be encouraged to be more active. So they, the, the suggestion is this. When you purchase your first insurance, that's when you're most alert and when you most seek around for, for the best value. But after that, you tend to lapse. <clears throat> that behaviour tends to lapse. So legislation could be uh, introduced. There's only one point now. Legislation could be introduced to force insurers to say, look, uh, this is this was your premium last year. Very few insurers state on your your uh, your renewal premium. This is what you paid last year. This is what it is this year. So that's mm -hmm. just one thing. And the second thing to say, look, okay, you've been with us four or five years, but uh, there is a chance if you shopped around, you could get cheaper insurance. 
There's also the regulatory uh, environment and then fraudulent and exaggerated uh, claims. We've identified there's 12 kind of areas in our action plan that need to be addressed. OK. Uh, just, order, so it's not just one issue. <coughs> I'll read a few texts for us. Both car tax and car insurance is vastly cheaper in the north compared to the rest of Ireland. It's ridiculous how expensive tax and insurance are within the Republic. That's Sean in East Donegal. Sarah, the government needs to act on this insurance scandal. That it's outrageous, says Jack in Terenure. Another texter says, I have a small pickup truck, 1997, always maintained well, no accidents or claims, uh, DOE tested, pre went from 600 last year to 3,800. He had to let a staff member go and he can work longer by himself in the one van that I can insure. James in Dublin says small businesses are being screwed to the wall by insurance companies. My premiums have doubled to 10,000 to insure four company vans. Most companies won't even quote. Something needs to be done at a government level as this is unsustainable. And another text says, all our, regulatory, our, all our regulators are asleep. Why do they constantly allow increases? Have they ever refused a request for an increase? And finally, there are some insurance companies joining up with driving schools around the country to offer three and four hundred euro discounts on your insurance if you get lessons with them. On the regulators, Colin McCarthy has been writing about this. You know that um, Quinn Insurance, for which we're all paying a levy mm. that w- was just <coughs> waving red flags all over the place and never should have been allowed to continue because they were growing their business by you know having <coughs> ridiculously low premiums yeah. but Charlie yeah, a very indulgent regulation there as well they yeah were, they were allowed to include windmills as part of their reserves for example now oh, you know God. which is absolutely crazy stuff if they got a lot of claims and they needed to pay for them they had to sell the windmill this kind of nonsense you know uh, yes we, they were indulgent it's not yeah. as if we haven't seen any amount of collapses of insurance but companies here. We've had ICI, we've had PMPA, we had Quinn Insurance, yeah. uh, we've since had Satanta, en- last week Enterprise Insurance, it, we, we've had any number of them. RSA had to be bailed out to the tune of half a billion euros that bill is up to now for its parent yeah. in Britain. Uh, and it's, yet it keeps happening. So not surprisingly, Standard & Poor's, the ratings agency, said recently they had no faith in the Irish regulators, the central bank, mm-hmm. to regulate insurers And of here. course, and this is in the week when three bankers have been jailed but the Judge Martin Nolan made it very clear you know that there was an issue with the regulation around all of that but Charlie just wanted to say okay claims and as Jonathan was saying we are clearly claiming more than our neighbours in Europe are we're getting more per claim so there's a big row around a big row around whiplash yeah and apparently in Europe, the average award for whiplash is about two to three thousand. In the UK, it's five thousand. And here the insurance companies are saying that you can get around 15,000 for whiplash. Now, we did ask Gerald <coughs> King, the solicitor, about that, and he reckons it's closer to 10. But it's still, it's still very high. It's yeah. still very high. high. We, 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 we tend to pay very generously uh, for, for in compensation in this country. And we've also had this situation where we've had a lot of new judges on the high court. Uh, been excessively generous uh, appointed new, newly appointed judges a lot of those cases have been appealed and the awards have been cut in half but we're still extremely generous so why now, but, are they uh, but, doing but, that? But, but, but to be fair as well yeah. the insurance companies tend to use this as an excuse we've had high compensation levels in this country for a long time the issue is more frequent claims I suppose but you know, not to let the insurance companies off the hook either they did as John says under reserve and they, they were underpricing for years and now you know, combine that then with you know, them being unable 
able to lay off some of the premium money and, get, and gain an income from that because of low interest rates and the compensation culture all that coming together with some other factors as well means that the whole thing has turned into a crisis um, Jonathan um, uh, AIG are saying we should just ban whiplash claims there is this feeling that whiplash is basically a fraudulent claim because yeah. you can't really prove it Well, but sometimes insurance companies don't help themselves they come out and make statements like we should ban whiplash claims we have to remember there are genuine injuries there are people who are genuinely injured and deserve the compensation that they're going to get so that's not an answer to it um, when we were uh, myself and Charlie talked before we looked back through figures over the last couple of years and we're in this cycle at the moment if you go back to 2002 2003 2004 that's when the motor insurance advisory board was set up and I know that Charlie has called for before there needs to be a new motor insurance, insurance what advisory board What did that do? It had about 40 or 50 recommendations uh, to sort of the personal uh, injuries assessment board was set up out of it so possibly a new one would review how the personal injuries assessment board is working and yeah. that was on the foot that was on the back of when insurance companies were going through the same period they were losing money in 1998 1999 2000 2001 2000 Motion Insurance Advisory Board came along PIAB was set up and then we started going through the cycle of where insurance companies were making money and they were making a lot of money over those years and now we're coming to where this dip has come into it for the last 3-4 years and it is as a result of a lot of different things that have, that have come together to cause this and lower prices being too low was a factor in it but we also had a situation where we were able to bring uh, competition into the Irish market because insurance companies around Europe and around the world could see there's money to be made in Ireland in motor insurance and they wanted to work here. There's nobody going to come into Ireland and work here while we have this satanta um, sort of elephant in the room where the insurance companies are going to be told if you want to work in Ireland you have to pay for a competitor if they go out of business. Now if I'm an insurance company in Europe I'm not going to come to a country that allows that. And what do they do in other countries when a competitor goes out of business? Well <laughs> most of them have a compensation fund available which we also have but we have this court case going on between the Motor Insurance Bureau and the compensation fund to see who should pay for it. Okay. The Motor Insurance Bureau is funded by the insurance companies the compensation fund is funded by a levy. So my view is that there should be a levy in place. Okay, We currently have a 5%. But that just means we're paying. We, we're already paying a 5% uh, on all of our, our uh, premiums at the moment. Two of it is going towards the uh, Quinn insurance yeah. and three is just basically a stamp duty tax that we have that's in there. And I feel the whole 5% should be put towards the levy. It's been there for the last three, four years. Since Quinn went, we've had that. Um, I think it should be there and that's what should be used to fund the... Um, See, actually, so, uh, John uh, Hart. Yeah, I know yeah. it's interesting on that. We yeah. said the, the Motor uh, uh, Insurance Advisory Board in the 1990s, that was introduced first in the 1990s and... If you remember, uh, Irish insurance companies, you know, had multiples of the profitability at that time of their UK counterparts. Prices had riven, risen something like 50% in seven years. So that was introduced. And in a period between 2002 and 2013, they succeeded in driving uh, premiums down by about uh, 40% in, in real terms. So what you're hearing Sarah here really is you know a combination of an awful lot of the answers that are there so you, you know the, it ranges across regulation you know the the over optimistic uh, forecasts of the insurers themselves of their profitability you've mentioned regulation you know there are statistics we'll say in, in relation to the central bank's enforcement section in terms of their personnel there's a I think maybe 55 to 56 out of a total of 71 or 72 that are actually required. So that needs to be bolstered. So bolstered. So there's a multi-dimensional approach needed. But we would be. But what we would be saying in this and the opposition is, uh, 
the government really needs to demonstrate an urgency about this. For the last year of their term, last two years of their term, 2014-15 and into early 16, they didn't demonstrate an urgency about it. They didn't, while Charlie was writing about it uh, in journalism, Michael McGraw was bringing it onto the floor of the mm. doll. And then when we had the motion passed, for the last three months, we thought, oh, they're dealing with this. Now, we only discovered that the first section of what they've been dealing with is uh, in relation to insurance companies that failed. That's what they've dealt with. They only met last Wednesday, three months after we passed a motion, to actually set up this task force. So it's going to be early next year, which before they actually report which means everybody from now until then is going to have these increases in insurance premiums. Um, I don't know if you have time for an anecdote or two in relation Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? You save the anecdote for a minute. Okay. Don't forget it. No. Write it down because I just want to ask you something about this injuries board. Now, it seems to me that there is <coughs> one thread here, which is that the, there we have lots of claims and they're expensive claims because they're going to the courts and we're giving out higher awards than we do in other countries. And the point of the injuries board was that people will go through that. So, for instance, legal costs at the injuries board are around six and a half percent of the total awards yeah. versus 60 yeah. percent in litigated mm. cases. Now, when that started off in 2004, about 5000 claims went through it and it's up to 12000 now. But the vast majority of people are still going to courts. Mm. The lawyers have found ways to bypass it, basically. It was supposed to be a lawyer-free zone to cut out that huge legal expense that's not needed there and give people awards they're entitled to you know, when they have an injury without the lawyers, you know, getting involved. It was supposed to be a fair state-approved scheme. Um, and you know, w- the lawyers have found ways of, of, course, of getting getting around it and by of not cooperating, judges, not filling the judges, out. The judges, the ex-lawyers, are backing them up by giving out these huge um, awards. Well, there is would, an element of that going on. Yeah. Would there be any way um, at this advisory board, John, of forcing people into the injuries board first? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing. I think. Uh, one of the things we've called for is a review of their powers. They've done excellent work, but obviously there's been slippage. And as Charlie said, lawyers have found their way around it. There's a couple of things that can be done um, in relation to, to PIAB. Um, legislation we think is needed to tackle, we'll say, the non-attendance of people at medical tests. You know, So that's actually that's a pretty major mm. issue that could mm. be tackled by legisla- legislation. And a, a key thing, actually, Sarah, is, this, is that people who are making a claim should risk paying all or part of the defendant costs if because they can go to court, you know, they can reject PIAB's Pi, Pi mm. recommendations. They can go to court. But what we're saying is if the court actually awards them less than what the Personal Injuries Assessment Board was going to give them in the first place, there needs to be a risk for a claimant yeah. actually trying to abuse the system. At present, there isn't. Just as in relation to, and Charlie's written about this, in relation to, we say, fraudulent claims uh, or exaggerated claims, very few, if any, of these end up with the DPP. Mm. Very few are fined the €100,000 mm. fine that's there in legislation. Mm. Mm. The claim is dropped, and that very often is the, the end of the but story. The former president of the of the High Court, Nicky Cairns, made that point recently. Yeah. You know, why are insurance companies themselves not prosecuting people who make false claims against them? Exactly. And Charlie, were you saying Because yeah, we, we, we're paying for these dodgy claims. Yes. We're paying for stage yeah. accidents. And there's a huge amount of them. And there's a lot of them. I mean, it's not the biggest problem, but it is no, a problem. It's part of the problem. And Charlie, yeah. were you saying Aviva are actually quite good Avi- at Yeah, I mean, I think Aviva, I know, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, Aviva, I like what they do, what they're doing. They go after anybody who they think is making a suspicious 
fictitious claim, an exaggerated claim or a false claim. They have a very big fraud detection section headed up by a former chief superintendent. They take it very seriously. They have a very good database of people who make claims that are questionable and they take them to court mm. and they challenge them yeah. and they don't have to pay out too and often. That, and and that to prove the potent is they made profits last year. Alone in yeah. the insurance market in, in this country, they made profits last year. And that's a new culture that's needed. You you kind of just mentioned briefly the Anglo thing. If there's anything, if that maybe demonstrates that there's a new culture in Ireland in relation to white collar crime, there needs to be a new culture in relation to insurance fraud and exaggerated claims and fraudulent fraudulent claims that you will end up possibly in jail Mm. or facing a hefty fine. Now, I have to take a break. Just one text before I go from Rose. Sarah, will someone please actually quantify the number of these so-called small claims and the cost to the insurance companies instead of sweeping references? Frankly, I don't believe them. And I know that Michael McGrath, John, your Queen of All colleague, has said there should be a national claims register so we could actually see, you know, what is going on. Because I've been researching this and one statistic say claims have gone down and another one says they've gone up. And there's a whole load of other database issues that need to be sorted too. Oh, actually, the, the published, oh sorry, Jonathan The published Hare, claims will in. show in 2014 that there was close to a billion euros in claims. Yeah, and I, uh, let me see now. Um, Michael McGrath said figures showed the amount paid out in claims in 2014 was 30%, 36% less than the amount paid out in 2011. Mm. So I think it depends. I think those figures came from the central bank, whereas if you go to the court service, you might get a different set the, of These numbers. are from the ins- Insurance Ireland, their own figures that they've published. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. So they're showing and that's all euros. the insurance companies. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny wh- where you get your figures from. But I do have to take a break. And when we come back, I'll be reading your text. We have lots of anecdotes of bizarre quotes and also Patrick Collinson, the uh, personal money editor of The Guardian, who'll be telling us what's happening in the UK. That's after these. Talking Point on News Talk 106 to 108. Good morning and welcome back to Talking Point. We're talking about car insurance this morning. In studio, Charlie Weston is personal finance editor at the Irish Independent. John Lahart is Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin Southwest, And Jonathan Hare is managing director of coverinaclick.ie. And just a few of your texts quickly. Hi guys, just back from Malta. Drivers carry a form in their cars. If there's agreement between drivers as to who is at fault, both parties sign a form to accept liability and avoid the need for engaging with insurance companies. Desmond says under EU laws, insurance companies can charge what they like one of them actually told me this when I complained my premium went up 73% this year even with no points or claims this is also age discrimination which I can prove and Desmond that's a real case of getting yourself to a broker and getting a better quote I have to say I rang up the AA and they sorted me out and I'm sure Jonathan from coveringaclick.ie would sort you out too Uh, now on whiplash and about not being able to prove it Texter says it is both real and provable I was rear-ended 18 years ago I still have to get physio every few months or I suffer massive pain. There were also signs up on hospitals here which said if you're in a traffic accident, the hospital is assuming you are claiming, so we will bill you accordingly. All right. And then finally, Julie in Dublin said, I was hit by a car and was injured. I tried to go through PIAP, that's the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, but the insurance company refused to go through the process. I ended up with the same compensation amount after a court step settlement, but the cost to the insurance company was hugely inflated by legal fees. This is a massive issue. Insurance companies will pay out sometimes just to get people to go away. Now, of course, most ge- claims are genuine. Most whiplash claims are genuine. There is an element of, of exaggeration, false claims. But more often than not, an insurance company, between the time the cases kind of gets out of the insur- injuries board and before it gets into court, the insurance company will pay up 
uh, settle just yeah. to get it get it off their books. Two out of three uh, of the claims in the market are settled privately out of court uh, outside the injuries board. And we don't and have data on that. We don't know what's going it. on. That. And the insurance companies are very coy about giving us that information. Dorothea Dowling, who was former head of the Motor Insurance Assessment Board and she was chairperson of the injuries board for 10 years, she's been calling on them to, to tell us exactly what's happening in those two or three cases that they settle outside the injuries board and outside of court and they won't give us that information. If we could see what they were doing, if, as, as John said, mm. as they do in England, if we could see exactly what was happening here, we'd have more faith in the insurance S- situation. OK, well, Patrick Collinson is on the line now. He's the Guardian's personal finance editor. Patrick, just for the sake of comparison, will you tell us what's going on in the UK, please? Hey, good morning, Sarah. The, um, well, funny enough, only yesterday we had the figures from the AA on the average uh, uh, premium that people pay in the UK, and it's only up 2% over the last six months. So what you're looking at is a market that's very, very different to what I'm hearing is going on in Ireland. Um, so we're looking very much at premiums around about the sort of 500, 600 pounds mark, but that's an average, and, and the, that disguises a lot of sort of like figures where people... There's an awful lot of people in the 30s, 40s and 50s who are only paying like 350, 400 pounds for their yeah. insurance. And it's down from 2011. When so, it like. so what are the differences in the market? Is that due to competition? Is the claims culture different? Is the legal process different? What's going on? Well, I think what you're looking at is, um, well, the claims culture in the UK has been, I think, pretty similar to Ireland. I think you're looking at whiplash claims having been pretty dramatic over the last few years, but they're also in decline now. Um, we're looking at whiplash claims been down by about 50% or so over the last year because there's been a big you know, push by the insurers to say, well, look, you know, we're not sure these are genuine and maybe we should just pay out for, uh, for, uh, for, sorry, for physiotherapy, not, not cash payouts. Mm. So you're looking at quite a big reduction in the cost of whiplash, which is feeding through to lower premiums. And um, what then happens when an insurance company in the UK goes under? Because what the insurance companies here are saying, it's not fair. If someone goes under, we have to pay um, the compensation for their customers. And I think actually, if there are Irish customers of UK companies and and a UK company goes under, we still have to pay for those um, (coughs) Irish customers. Funny one, there hasn't actually been any uh, companies go under for quite some time. I don't quite know why that is the case. Maybe the, co- the companies in the UK have been more profitable. Um, or maybe so you've got better regulation. Maybe that that's could well, well also be the case. Now, the, um, uh, 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 we haven't had any, anything like the sort of like crashes you've had um, here. Uh, there is a levy, there is a motor uh, you know, uh, industry sort of like wide levy. I think it's pretty similar to, the, uh, to Ireland with about some 5% or so. The costs are shared by. Uh, other companies, but quite simply, we haven't had uh, a lot of a lot of companies go under. Uh, they're mostly profitable. Um, I think they've had a lot more cost control in the UK. Um, there's been a lot more competition driving down costs, and there has been this sort of like widespread move to get a grip on whiplash claims, which had, I think, at one point, I think Aviva was saying that 80% of all the claims in the UK were coming were were, were with a whiplash claim. Now. In France, only 3% of car collisions result in a claim for whiplash. In Britain, it just hit 80%, which is insane. Now, I know one of uh, 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 your speakers there was saying earlier that he thought most of these claims were genuine. I think there was a feeling in the UK that most of these claims are not genuine. And in future, from next year, the um, soft tissue injury claims won't be paid out in cash, except in severe cases. Now, that means, and they're projecting from that, that car insurance premiums will fall again 
by between 50 and 100 pounds per person because this 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 pound claim that most people were putting in for whiplash will come out instead in physiotherapy vouchers. Now, no lawyer is going to want a cut of a physiotherapy voucher. Right. Um, I think that's going to result in another tumbling down of uh, uh, the cost of car insurance. So the sort of things you're seeing here um, is going to be... You know, there's going to be a thing of the past. Um, John Lahart wants to mention something. Yeah, no, about. I just want to reinforce what Patrick has said because uh, and this is the point I'm making, and what's made in in my own party's action plan is that look, there's no one silver bu- bullet. There's a number of factors. Patrick has mentioned, I suppose, what's known as as care, not cash, so that you get a physiotherapy voucher instead of getting the the cash for it. And as he said, in the UK, they've estimated that that can reduce a premium by fifty to hundred uh, pounds sterling. Uh, the Consumer Association of Ireland have estimated that if we really tackled legal costs and reduced legal costs by half, which would be a big aim, but we'll just say we did reduce legal costs and claims yeah. by half, uh, that that would uh, reduce premiums by a further €50 Euro per annum. Then there's this... The then there's the, if I may the, interrupt there. Sorry, the, yeah. Uh, 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 the, our, our peak in claims... Sorry, our, our peak in the cost of car insurance was 2011-2012. People are still paying about 20% less than they were then. So five years later, uh, people are paying less for their car insurance. Um, now, the peak in whiplash claims was also around then because there was a ban that came in in 2013. There was a ban on something called referral fees. Now, we, had, we were in this daft situation where insurance companies, if they were not the one at fault, the one that, the, the, the one that wasn't paying out, would actually sell the um, uh, victim's details to another, uh, to, to a claims management company, to a firm of lawyers, who would then pursue the other insurance company uh, for a whiplash payout. This is an insane bidding up of whiplash. Mm-hmm. And now, that was banned. Now, I don't know whether that goes on in Ireland, but that was yeah. the first big move that started to reduce the amount that was being paid out on whiplash. Also, as I think somebody said earlier, the amount, I mean, I'm staggered at how much the Irish pay out on whiplash. The, the idea that a claim should be 10,000 or 15,000 euros. In the UK, it's very much in the three to 5,000. I don't know whether something can be done in Ireland to set tariffs at the Ministry of Justice, this sort of thing, to reduce that level. There's no reason why a neck in Ireland should be worth 15000 and a neck <laughs> in the UK be worth 3000 We've hard necks in Ireland, Patrick. Um, <laughs> what about quality of driving? Is there um, a possibility here that we're just really bad drivers? Can I, can I, can I jump in on that as well? If you yes, don't mind? do, the, please. Um, uh, uh, I actually uh, commute between Britain and Ireland all the time. I've got a house in Dublin, I've got a house in London, and I see driving in both cities at close hand. What I do notice is that the surveillance culture in the UK, you cannot get into a junction in the UK without there being automatic number plate recognition cameras all over the place. And you will, if you jump a red light, if you enter the box without having an exit, you will, in a few days later, as night follows day, you'll get a letter in the post with a fine for 60 or 90 quid. I, get an, I, I really notice in Dublin just how much people break red lights, how people, this whole quality of driving, and now that must result in higher uh, 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 number of collisions and this sort of thing. So, yeah. although I think outside of Dublin and the countryside on the motorways, the driving seems to be better. Well, inside Dublin, certainly the quality of driving better. is much lower. And I wonder how much surveillance uh, is part of that. Well, I'm always stunned any time I drive in the M50 that there aren't more crashes with the way people <laughs> drive. Changing lane is considered almost an illegal event to but, do. Well, it's, it's, it's country roads as well. Sorry, we're, we're picking up now at the moment uh, to get Jonathan to level Hare. with Europe. Like the Road Safety Authority has been doing a massive 
uh, job over the last 10 years. If you go back to take, take the insurance prices for young drivers, I remember when young drivers used to call into us in their office, they'd call in with their pink slip having been given a learner permit, provisional licence at the time. They'd never driven a car before and they left us with an insurance policy and they went to a garage and bought a car. They'd never sat, set foot in a car and they were allowed to drive out of the garage. Yeah. So it's much stricter now. We have yeah. young drivers now have to do 10 lessons. You're forced to do them. You must have a full licence holder in the car. That law is now being enforced more than it was before. So in terms of what we're doing over here for road safety, we're probably not where the UK are at the moment. We're certainly catching up and the Road Safety Authority are doing a brilliant job in getting us. Also, and Sarah, on t- sorry, on oh, sorry, I'll just let Patrick oh, yeah, back yep. in quickly. Yes, no, Patrick? Also, I wonder how much telematics is having an impact now. I don't know. Again, no, what's telematics? Just and explain what it is, that. Is, this is where you have basically a little spy box in your car and this will record the time you get into the car, um, uh, 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 when uh, you start driving, the speed you're driving at, even things like how much you're braking and all those sorts of things. Now, it's almost become de rigueur now for the young drivers, 18 to 25 year olds, who, as we know, cause the most accidents, that they're going to have a telematic style car insurance. Now, what that does is that there's going to be a lot of very good 18 to 25 year old drivers who are paying ridiculous premiums uh, because of the lunatic fringe of the 18 to 25 year old, mostly boys, I have to say, who are causing lots and lots of crashes. Now, telematics means that the insurer knows, ah, you weren't driving at midnight uh, uh, to one o'clock, which is when an awful lot of the accidents may be happening. Uh, we do see that your driving is, you're, you're keeping below 30 miles an hour and all this sort of thing. And you get a much, much lower insurance premium as a result of that. Now, I don't know how widespread it is in Ireland. It's certainly become massively widespread in the UK. Jonathan yeah, Hare. It, 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 there's, there is a telematics product now available for young drivers in Ireland but again we're slow to take it up because a lot of these companies that would embrace the technology rather than the traditional companies we have working here they don't want to come into Ireland and work while we have other laws in place that would prevent them from, that, that would make it unattractive for them. Uh, yeah and actually we have a text in on that a, a woman's 20 year old daughter was quoted 7,000 for first insurance by several companies yeah. but the cheapest quote is 2,800 if she gets a sensor in the car. Patrick, just a final question. I'll discuss this with the lads more after the break. Self-driving cars, will that be where this ends up? That actually we won't get insured because it'll be Google's fault if there's a crash. It's terribly exciting, the whole self-driverless cars thing as to when it happens. I mean, um, I think we're looking at a good couple of decades before that really comes in. I mean, we've had the first uh, a, a, a self-driving car crash. I think there was a Tesla car was there in the States. Yes. Um, there is uh, a, a lot of discussion around it at the moment and as to what all of that will mean. I mean, in some, in some ways, it's going to be absolutely fantastic, I think. Um, but, uh, I, I, I mean, insurance companies are all looking at it in a very sort of like a philosophical sort of way because I don't think there's any chance that you'll see proper self-driving cars. But there are cars out now where it's not quite self-driving and yet the car will take over certain functions. So, for example, if it senses that you're drifting (coughs) out of lane, it will re-correct you and bring you back into lane. So, technically, it's not self-driving. Well, ultimately, it should really massively reduce accidents if it means that uh, nobody can go at more than 110 on the motorway, if everybody's going to keep to uh, 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 a city... Uh, driving speed limits because the, the car forces you to do so, yeah. um, then I think it's going to re- reduce accidents and uh, therefore presumably the insurance rates will, will be much lower. But I think with driverless cars, you probably won't have your own car because if it's a driverless car, it will, just, it will be like a taxi. It will come up to you and collect you and take you somewhere. It's driverless. You don't have to have a car sitting out the front of your house. You probably wouldn't have 
your own car and your own car insurance premium. So maybe technology will solve the problem. Patrick <laughs> Collinson, many thanks for joining Thank us this morning. We have to take another break um, now, but we'll be back with more of your stories after these. Talking Point on News Talk 106 to 108. And welcome back to Talking Point. We're talking about car insurance this morning. Charlie Weston is personal finance editor at the Irish Independent. John Lahart is Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin South West. And Jonathan Hare is managing director of coveringaclick.ie and some of your texts. Sarah, insurance for me was €355 Euros last year. This year, €1,100. Not a hope have I of paying this. Would the panel have any advice? I have a disability. Charlie. That's your or no, Jonathan? I'll ask you that one. Shop, yeah. The disability shouldn't affect your premium at all. It, it, there's no way an insurance company will discriminate against you for your disability. Yeah. I just recommend the Sarah, like I was saying to John earlier, what's good for an insurance company last year might not necessarily be the customer they're looking for. It could be the car, it could be the your age profile, it could be the type of license. Shop around. I guarantee that if you do a lot of research, if you went from three 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 five five to a thousand euros, yeah, you'll probably find it in around the five hundred mark somewhere this year if there's been no claims. You, you should will go to a you, broker. You if she brings our office I guarantee it would be between five and six hundred euros no more that's great and actually I should say when I was having trouble getting quote um, uh, for my husband I discovered this thing called the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission and if you get three letters of declined business they will force one of those companies into quoting you so that might be they do for but some at, probably at a very expensive rate though. probably you, yeah. you're really in a desperate strait now if you're going that route unfortunately yeah, it'll be, it'll be yeah. Expensive. Yeah, I mean, but there are things people can do I mean use, 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 use brokers be careful about how you describe yourself make sure you're shopping around. People don't. Yeah. You know, a lot it's of people biggest, don't. Now, Jaron uh, 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 Wexford has made a point. One reason premiums are going up is because insurance companies are refusing to compensate drivers correctly for loss of value of their cars when in accidents. So drivers are being forced into claiming injuries in order to recoup that loss of value. Damages are paid for, but not loss of value. Now, Anthony in the Midlands said we were talking about PIAB and he says if a claimant rejects a PIAB award and then gets a lesser award in court the claimant will be liable for the insurer's legal costs um, John uh, Lahart that was something you were saying should be done he says it is being done so maybe we'll just check up on yeah. that and find out the story there um, some anecdotes though um, Jonathan you had one about a learner driver who passed his test and what happened then? Yeah we were talking about how insurance companies don't help themselves sometimes and we had a case last week where a, cl- a client for as a young driver did everything right did his 10 lessons he went out he passed his test we rang the insurance company to find out what his discount was for passing his test to be told he owes them 300 euros and why they reckoned that on based on their stats which they said came from the UK was that a full license holder for a young driver is a worse risk than a provision licence holder. Now we told them that we thought they were absolutely off their rocker but they stuck to their guns and they're insisting that this guy pays the 300 euros. And would that be because maybe the driver has more confidence and they go yes I'm a fantastic driver I got my licence? They, they said it's because he'll now drive the car by himself and he won't need to have a full licence holder in the vehicle with him. But our view is he obviously has proved that he's a, he is a capable driver by passing the test yeah. by doing his lessons and he does deserve a lower rate than what a learner driver will be getting but they're sticking to their guns and they're saying our stats show that when they pass their test it's not the confidence but it's the fact they're now allowed to drive the vehicle on their own it's ridiculous Charlie West and what stories have you come across well I suppose it's the dodgy ones you, you hear about all the time and you read the um, you read written judgments of, of high courts I don't get a chance to go down to the high court but I, I often get hold of written judgments and it astounds me when the the, the judge says well I didn't find the claimant uh, very um, the evidence very satisfactory I wasn't entirely convinced by it but I'm awarding 60,000 euros anyway you know and you're going oh my god why are you so benevolent why are you so indulgent 
we're all paying for this. It's not free money, Mr. Judge, Mrs. Judge. It's it's driver's money you're paying out there. And I just wish they'd realise that. And I do, I do, I, I understand at the moment there's a lot of work being done to try and bring judges around, bring them on side. The injuries board have this new book of quantum. It's basically the guideline on how much should be paid. And they have a new book coming out. It hasn't been updated for about 12 years. And they've briefed the judges before anybody else has seen it. Nobody has seen it. The industry hasn't seen it. They're trying to bring the judges, get the judges, educate the judges, basically. They seem to live in a rarefied world. They're very good on points of law, obviously, but probably just don't get it that this is money that drivers are having to fork out and that they need to be more consistent as well in their awards. Their awards are very inconsistent and a lot of them have been appealed lately. So, I mean, I think that would help a lot that the work that's quietly been done in the background just to keep to get the judges on side to bring them on side to give them the first look at this book of quantum try and get them to use it they don't have to use it they have to have regard to it under the law but they can dispense with it but it's a, it's a way to kind of kind of not cap or, uh, high levels of awards but just kind of bring in a level of consistency so we know where we are one of our proposals John actually just on the book of quantum and the awards Charlie is that we would legislate to actually oblige judges to explain why they've departed from the book of quantum you know, in their in their case. And John Hart, um, Insurance Ireland is a, a kind of an agency that speaks for all the insurance companies. Their CEO is Kevin Thompson. We did ask them to come on the show. We even offered to pre-record it yesterday if that would help, but they weren't able to. So they're saying, look, we're operating an environment where the number of claims is increasing on top of the increasing cost of processing and the man settling them, that there are these high legal fees for higher court awards and they've got uh, this whole issue of paying for claims where the insurer has gone into liquidation. So do you think that maybe they're not ripping us off? I think they're just trying to pay for a product in a system where they're up against it on every side. How can there be higher legal awards and higher court costs when actually in 70% of the cases you're avoiding going to court? You're actually doing the payout yourself and that's what insurance companies are doing. So that's one point. They remain in the business. They're still insuring cars. You know, so but John, uh, there's a lot pulling out of the market, though. No, and I, I appreciate that now. But they, six insurers have pulled out in the yeah, last two years. Yeah, but part of the, part, as we said at the start, was that they they uh, reduced prices so stiffly in the in the noughties that they've been caught. Transparency, though, there's he he has, and I don't know this man, and I'm not casting any aspersions on him. One of the things we're looking for is transparency across database, transparency across profitability, uh, without them breaching confidentiality. We don't really know what uh, insurance companies are doing. But I just want to make two final points if I can say. One, just on the anecdotal thing, high insurance premiums hurt vulnerable and less well-off people most because they have less disposable income. Uh, We brought the NCT in and in 2011 it obliged people whose cards were over 10 years old to get them checked every year. I have a guy, a constituent in in Greenhills, 16-year-old Renault, NCT in, in January, it was insured fully comp uh, uh, last year for close to 500 euros, 1300 euros. That's put him off the road. It's a, a tragedy. It really, really is. It's people's lives. Hopefully something can be done about it. Uh, thank. That's it for today. Uh, Ronan Bratnott Research, Joe Coffey produced, Marion Kennedy was on sound. Bobby Kerr is up next. Thanks to all my guests for coming in on this bank holiday weekend. I'll be sitting in on the Sunday show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Join me for that. But for now, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.